Father, we thank you this morning. We give you all praise and honor and glory. We thank you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. You know, that word in itself is almost bit getting lost a bit in our vocabularies. You know, it's amazing how many people don't know how to say thank you when someone does something nice for them. And I find even with my own children, it's a struggle. You know, you do something, and then they go to walk away. I'm like, stop. Thank you, Daddy. And we can't let that be lost in our lives because gratitude will change your attitude. Amen? Thank you, Christopher. Make sure we're on there. Well, so glad you've joined us this morning on Remembrance Day. You know, I can't remember the last time it, what we did last time it fell on a Sunday, but I'm just so glad that we could take a moment and honor the veterans, but also honor Jesus this morning. You know, this morning I want to start with a story. And this story takes place on October 31st, and it began about 5 a.m. in the morning. Sounded a little bit like this. Don't you absolutely love to hate that sound? It just makes you want to smash your clock to pieces. I actually love that sound because it it's just has the ability to snap me out of sleep and get me right into the day. My wife, on the other hand, absolutely hates that sound and forbids me from having it as my ringtone for when I get up in the morning. And I always find it funny because now when my alarm goes off, she sleeps right through my alarm. And I think back to all those years of when the kids were getting up through the night and she would say in the morning, I don't know how you slept through their crying. And now I can say, I don't know how you sleep through my alarm every day. <laughs> but my alarm went off at 5 o'clock and you have any, any idea how hard it is to find a picture of 5 a.m.? So I had to settle for 6, but that was not what time. But on October 31st at 5 a.m., the alarm goes off. I jumped out of bed promptly. There was no time to delay on this morning. I had a long list of things I wanted to accomplish. You ever been there? You know, I was trying to shove so much into this week that was going on. It was just like, it was constantly on my, on my mind. All the different things that I had to do. And you know what happens when you're in those situations? There's this thing called that anxiety and pressure begins to come upon you as you're thinking about, okay, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do that. And so I jumped out of bed that morning with all these things on my mind, but I always take my first hour of the day to pray and read my Bible. Now, I'd like to say that this morning, the heavens parted and the angels sang and, you know, there was visions of whatever, but I'd have to say it was more like I was trying to cram as much as I could into this hour of prayer because I had things to do. Don't look at me so holy. So I rushed through my, my hour of prayer in the Word on October 31st, and I get to 6 o'clock, and from 6 to 6.30, that's food and shower, and try not to wake up the rest of the family as I'm doing it, which thank you, daylight savings time, everyone who has a toddler wants to strangle you. <laughs> Anybody else been dealing with that in the last week and a half? Kids don't realize the time has changed. Oh, I'm up at 5 o'clock in the morning and ready to go. But on this particular morning, it was before the time changed, so I managed to keep everybody asleep in the house. 6.30 hits and I'm in the truck. Might I point out that it's about 20 minutes before I actually needed to leave the house? But I was thinking, I need to get where I'm going, so once I get to where I'm going, I can start to work on A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, and P. <laughs> Come on, everybody's been there before. Peel out onto the highway going 95 kilometers an hour. 
okay, okay, it was more like 105 kilometers an hour. <laughs> and who do I meet at the first turn back onto the highway but driving Miss Daisy going 75 kilometers an hour. Come on, lady, knitting club is not for another four hours. Why are you on the road at 6.30 in the morning? Uh, not in the mood, I quickly passed. <laughs> and uh, as I did so, pulled around this old lady, I, then I hear it. No, different sound. Just, just as bad, though. On the inside, the gentleness of the Holy Spirit, the quietness of his voice, slow down. You know, we always expect God to boom. We always expect him to override everything else that's going on. But he always speaks in such a soft and gentle manner that if you're not listening, you don't catch it. And he just said, slow down. Not really in the mood to be told that this morning. 105 becomes, you know, 95. This is not a commentary on my driving, so please do not send me any hate mail. <laughs> and then again to my heart, he just says, slow down. And I'm like, seriously, what are you my wife? Why are you managing my driving? I'm pretty capable. I've been doing this. I drive this route every day. I'm pretty sure I can do it in my sleep. I'm pretty sure I have done it in my sleep. And there's always a reason why you can argue with him. And so as all the thoughts go through my head, I finally decide, okay, you know what? 95 becomes 85, slowing down, trying to be obedient. And then he says again, slow down. And at this point, I'm like, seriously, God? I'm about to be going the same speed as driving Miss Daisy that I've already left. <laughs> so I slow down to 80. I put my cruise on. And my goodness, was it ever hard on my flesh. I'm putting down the highway thinking, I've got so many things to do. This is not the day to put, push my buttons, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Who do I see but driving Miss Daisy has now sped up and is on my bumper, almost goading me to go faster. And as I see her there, right, right, I can almost not see her lights because she's so close to my bumper. Like, come on, you passed me at 105 and now you want to drive 80. But thank God for cruise control. <laughs> I just let the truck drive until I hit town. And of course, you have to tap your brakes to slow down for the speed limits of time. But what do we have bumping on the radio but Joy by King and Country? Joy, let it move you. Joy, let it move you. And the only thing it seemed to be moving was me going faster. And as I kept trying to slow down, then we get a million lights. A million lights. Whoa, whoa. And it's like everything that morning was testing me. <laughs> go faster, go faster, go faster. And the Holy Spirit is saying, go slower, go slower, go slower. But I find myself, I'm going about 75 now in town. Do not recommend it. And then I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit one more time, quieter than all the other ones. Slow down. You know, he won't make you ever do what you don't want to do. And so he tells me one more time. And so this time I decide, okay, you know what? i got to make some changes. Turn the radio off. I put the cruise control back, in in, uh, back on. Who does that when they're in town? But I set it, and I'm driving. And I'm like, my goodness, this is just feels like it's taking forever. And I see the intersection that I'm heading towards, approaching. It's Highway 43 and Abbott Street. I can see that it's a green light. And it's off in the distance. And then immediately, what do I begin to see? think? Speed up or you're not going to make the light. You know what? The Holy Spirit didn't say anything to me this time. But you know what? 
I was like, that's the opposite of what I need to do right now. And so I stayed where I was going, took everything I had to keep going at that 50. And I got to the light, and it was remarkably still green. And right as I was about to enter the intersection, whoosh, goes through an older gentleman driving a white Ford F-150, probably going about 90 to 100, right through the red light where I was about to be if I had been driving my speed. This morning I want to preach a message to you called The Battle for Peace. You know, maybe God's been doing good things in your life. You know what? The best thing you should do is you should go to wordchurch.ca, click share your story, and fill it out and let Jessica know because people need to hear of the goodness of God in your life. Because what you may have just gone through is now what somebody else is facing, and they need to hear how God brought you through. So go ahead and do that. But in order to preach this message called The Battle for Peace, I want you to join me over in Mark chapter 5. You know, World War I, they call it the Great War, and while they were fighting it, they thought it was going to be the war to end all wars. Anybody ever heard that statement before? But how many know that that was not the case? And so many of us are living our lives thinking that the war to end all wars has been fought, but there is actually a battle that goes on for your attention and for your peace every day. And here in Mark chapter 5, verse 21, it's a familiar story, and it starts like this. Jesus got into the boat again and went to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Now, I started thinking about that statement, a large crowd. Everybody say it with me, large crowd. When was the last time you were in a large cloud? Did it promote peace in your life? No, I do not like large crowds of people. Personally, I like to be by myself or one, one or two good uh, close friends. But here in a large crowd, it produces in me anything but peace. So we got to understand that those are the types of opportunities that are going on in Jesus' ministry right here. There's a large crowd. We know that from pro next verses that it, they were thronging him. They were all gathered around him. You know, I was talking with some friends just the other day, and they had been to uh, um, a, a large concert, and, uh, and it was a Christian concert, and there was a great speaker speaking, but they said that they had a hard time focusing on what was going on and worshiping God and listening to the message because there was a security situation going on around on the floor, and the only thing that they could think of after that is bombs and guns. And you know, how many in, the, in this world have been, had those thoughts race through your mind? You know, what if? You know, we see the news, we see what goes on. And so we understand that there's always going to be times for anxiety, there's always going to be times for worry and fear, but how you respond to them is what's important. So Jesus finds himself in a large crowd, and then the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Pleading fervently with him, he said, my little daughter is dying, please come and lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live. And Jesus went with him. And all the people around followed, crowding around him. So we know that it's already a kind of a riotous situation going on. And what do you get? You get Jairus shows up on the scene. And think about what is going on in this father's heart. My daughter's sick. My daughter's dying. I need help. He's concerned, he's worried about what's about to happen next, and he goes to the one he knows he can find help from, 
Jesus. That's the best place you can go. If you don't know what to do, get at the feet of Jesus. That's exactly what he did. He bowed down and worshiped Jesus and said, come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. And so Jesus goes with him. You got to think there's a, now a change in this man's heart. He's heard of the miracles. He's seen what's going on in the countryside around him. The lame walking, the blind seeing. You got to know that there's now a change in Jairus' heart. He's probably not like, oh no, what's going to happen? We're like, Jesus is coming. My daughter's getting better. You know, got the gospel choir going on in the background of his mind. And then we find the greatest interruption story of the Bible. And you have to understand that some of your greatest miracles will be in times of interruption. When you thought something had to go a certain way and God decided to interrupt it and do it a different way. In verse 25, it says, A woman in the crowd suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but had gotten no better. And in fact, she had gotten worse. And she heard about Jesus. And so she came behind him through the crowd and she touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can touch his robe, I will be healed. Now, we preached this message in the summer around this, uh, this story. What do we know about that statement? For she thought to herself, it's a load of garbage. The Greek does not say that. It says, for she said to herself, don't ever let the enemy try and talk you out of your words. Don't shut your mouth, open your mouth, and speak your faith. And so just because some people want you to be quiet, like this translation, that's not what it says. It says she said to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Keep speaking your statements of faith. And immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of the terrible condition. And Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? I love that. Because we understand that Jesus was not the initiator of this miracle. He recognized power was drawn out of him. He did not release power. It was pulled from him. And we have to understand that's the power God has given us as sons and daughters. Your faith moves mountains. Your faith changes situations. This woman's faith, she crawled through the crowd just so she could grab the garment. That's not the usual way of doing it. Everybody else is saying, Jesus, Touch me, heal me, Jesus, come to my daughter. And she had the faith to say, I don't need him to come to me, I'll go to him. And you need to stop waiting for God to change the situation and put some faith into it and move the mountains because he's given you the power to do so. But that's not our message. And in verse 31, his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? Basically saying, Jesus, don't be so ridiculous. Everyone is touching you. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And Jesus says, how dare you place a demand on my, my power? How dare you do that? No, not at all. He didn't do that at all. But, the, but certain thoughts of how people view God, you would think that's how it would be. How dare you presume to think that you could have that? His words were not that at all. He said, daughter, 
Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I love how he starts the whole sentence. Daughter. That's relationship. That's familiarity. He didn't say woman. He didn't say person of this country. He said daughter. It's an endearing term. Man, that's how God feels about you. He doesn't see you as distant. He doesn't see you as far away. He doesn't see you through your past. You have to understand, this woman was not allowed to be in this crowd. She was unclean. Even her being in the presence of this crowd demanded that she be stoned. But Jesus didn't say any of that. He said, daughter, my beloved one, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I want to focus on that statement there. Go in peace. I really encourage you that when you're reading your Bible, read different translations and dig a little deeper because not everything can be taken at face value. In the Greek, it's the word is irini. Now, the word is is not in, it's the word into or towards. So he didn't tell her to go in peace as she had peace and she was now walking with it, his commandment to her was, go into peace. Move your life towards a place of peace. Which tells us something, that this woman had been living anything but a life of peace. And with understandable reasons. She's lost everything she had. She thought she was going to die of the affliction. She's been so, become a social outcast because of her uncleanness. Everything about her life is anything but peace. And Jesus' words to her was, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Now you go into. Move your life towards peace. I love the word peace. It's the word Irini, which is where we get our name Irene, or I think Irena has the same root. It's the word Irini in the Greek, and it means peace, security, safety, prosperity, felicity, which is just a fancy word for intent happiness. So these are the things that God wants us to move into. Now, this woman had every reason to live a life of concern, worry, and fear. But I have to tell you this morning, every one of those reasons became invalid because of Jesus. And so whatever you think your reasons are for living in fear and worry and lack of peace, they became invalid when you received Jesus. Now that's not a statement to put you down. That's a statement to lift you up and realize you have been freed by the blood of Jesus. You have been healed by the stripes of Jesus. He has bore it all. He gave his life so you could have it. It's called the great exchange. Give up your fear and receive his peace. And so God wants you to be living a life of peace, a life of security, a life of safety, a life of prosperity, a life of intense happiness, because that's what Jesus provided for you. That's a whole lot difference, different from Go in peace, woman. Here, take some peace and go, go take it with you. No, he was telling her, go and walk in everything he was about to provide. At this point, she was doing it on credit. Jesus hasn't even died. But you know what? They call him the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. The work of Jesus transcends all boundaries and all time. And my goodness, there are lots of people in the Old Testament that were getting healed and blessed on credit. How much more you who live in the dispensation. So every reason you have to stay in fear, worry, and concern are now invalid. 
So we need to think of them as invalid. Stop giving them power. Stop giving them position in our lives. This is what Jesus said, talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace that, and the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Now, what do we know about gifts? If I'm going to give Jessica a gift, I can give it to her. But now it's up for her to actually use it. My children have received lots of gifts that they have never used. They have never had the value of it because they are just so blessed. They have so much. It's like, when was the last time they played with this army tank? Let's go do, donate it to somebody who will actually use it. You know, God has given you so much, but when you open up the closets of your life, what is the thing you reach for? Is it his peace? Is it his protection? Or is it the little bit of fear and worry you've stored in the back? I know I put that back in here somewhere. Ah, there it is. Oh, I love you so much. You realize some people treat their fears and worries like that. They've gotten so used to being in that condition, in that state of mind, they pet themselves. Oh, this is just normal. This is what everyone goes through. It's not normal. If you're listening at home, it is not normal. God has peace for you. It's not normal. He said, the gift I give you is peace of mind and heart. And that came and moved inside of you when you received Jesus and then allowed the Holy Spirit to fill you up with his power. Amen. The Old Testament tells us that he is our Jehovah Shalom. I am the Lord, your peace. I love that because it's not the I am the Lord who is peace. I am your peace. Meaning the reason why he is peace is so that you can have it. If you didn't need it, he wouldn't have to be it because everything he is is what you need. In Galatians 5.22, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. <gasps> Against such there is no law. So we see that peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. What do we know about fruit? Is it grows. So maybe you've been living in a little peace, but when you fellowship with the Holy Spirit and give him time, Peace begins to grow, just like love begins to grow and joy begins to grow. Some people don't know how to have joy, but when you get them to open the door a little bit, they just keep going a little further and a little further and a little further and a little further and a little further. So he has given us peace that resides on the inside of you because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And then he says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, he says, you will keep in perfect peace how, let's just stop there for a second. There's peace, and then there's perfect peace. Maybe we've been settling for the wrong type of peace. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Let's unpack that for a second. The thoughts you let rule you will either fuel your peace or rob you of it. So, October 31st, I'm going down the road. You want to know what my thoughts are? Thank you for asking. Here they are. This is wasting my time. Oh, don't look at me so holy. He's telling me to slow down. I've got places to be and I've got things to do. The sooner I get to work, the sooner I can work on my list. I had to highlight that because when you realize there's what he wants and what you want and you have to recognize they're not always the same thing. Yeah. 
And then the third thought, don't look at me funny as being your pastor, that wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was just in my head. I don't need to slow down. And you know what you need to do when you have thoughts like that? You give them counter thoughts. So counter thoughts to part number one. Psalm 84.10. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. <laughs> Ten more minutes in this car with you, God, is better than a thousand where I'm going if you're not there. It says, I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of God and then live the good life in the homes of the wicked. You have to understand, you can either be with him or you can choose not to be with him by the choices you make and the thoughts that you think. And so if your thoughts are thinking this is a waste of time and God is saying, that's okay, just stay here with me anyways, it's important. Second counter thought. I was talking about my list, right? Here's what his thoughts are in Proverbs chapter 13, 6. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. A lot of us have our plans and then we base our actions around the plans and then God is saying, but I have nothing to do with those. But if you commit your ways to the Lord and do his actions, then your plans will succeed. But if I'm not focusing on them, who will be focusing on them? Uh, God. <laughs> if he gave you the plans, it's okay to do what he tells you to do. He'll take care of them because he's the one that was the author of them and he'll bring them through to the end. Third thought. Well, that was just in my head. Well, this is a verse that often comes up in my mind. And as John 14, 17 says, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. You're in the statement of He is in you. And the Holy, the Holy Spirit here had not come yet when Jesus said this statement. But He told His disciples that you know Him. But you haven't met Him. But you know Him. Well, that's just your head, but you know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is speaking. And when you listen, he talks. So when the enemy tries to tell you, you can't hear from God, liar. You don't know his voice, liar. You don't know what you're doing. This is crazy talk, liar. You know him. Everybody say this, I know his voice. I hear it clearly. Another I will not follow. Because I, know him. because I know him. Here's what Paul said to the Corinthians. He says, we capture rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. That seems like such a simple statement, but we make mountains out of molehills sometimes. But we need to understand that everything that passes between these ears and the noodle we call a brain is not necessarily from God. There are many voices that speak. Sometimes the way we've trained ourselves to think is just wrong, and we need to retrain our thoughts. Sometimes the enemy is putting bad thoughts in your head, and we need to recognize God's thoughts and bring them into captivity. And then there are God's thoughts, which we should, when they come in, we should be going like, oh yeah, that's right, God, thank you for asking, showing me that. So we need to take rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And we do that by knowing what God has actually said about us. Because when you know who you are and what you have, you won't settle for less right? If you live in a mansion and the enemy tells you you live in a shoebox, it's obvious to see the options. God said mansion, you said shoebox, I think I'll believe him. Okay, okay, okay. What happened to J. Iris? Because that's where we started, right? You forgot. You thought I didn't know where I was going, right? In verse 34, it said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Hooray for the woman with the issue of blood. 
35, but while he was still speaking to hear her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There is no use troubling the teacher now. So, maybe Jairus' thoughts had been changed when Jesus said, I'm coming. He's thinking, my daughter's getting better. This is awesome. I'm so happy. And then he hears, hey, Jairus, your daughter's dead. You know what happens to a person's heart? Oh, are you serious? I walked all this way. I waited in line. And that woman gets her miracle and my daughter doesn't? How dare you, Jesus? Oh, come on, don't look so holy. You know you've had bad thoughts before. There's so many things that could be going through Jairus' mind right now. The Bible doesn't really tell us what he's thinking, but it says Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. So you always have the option for fear, but Jesus has said, don't do that. Don't go that road. Now, the word he uses in the Greek is the word phobeo, which is where we get our word for phobia or fear. And it means to put to flight, to flee. So basically what Jesus was trying to tell Jairus was, don't run away. It's not over yet. And we often have so many, it's so hard time staying with our hand to the plow and we want to run away because we got one bad report. Well, that's all it was. Jairus, you're standing with the one who has no boundaries. Death is not the end. He raises people from the dead. And so we have to remember the God we serve. Just because you got a bad report doesn't mean you can still not have a good one. And reports are just reports, and he gets the final word. And so Jesus said to Jairus, don't walk away. And what did we say during the learning from the prophets? Every time you don't engage, you lose. And every time you face the battle, you win. It seems like an easy choice, but so many times our minds get so twisted up that we'd rather listen to the fear voice. God wants you to win the battle of peace. You've been called to fight, and you've been called to win. So we need to stop treating it as the battle, the, the war that ends all wars. It wasn't ended in Jesus. You still have a mind, and you can still choose what you think. You can choose to remember, that's right, Jesus signed the papers and said, this is what I am. Or you can choose to listen to every other thing out there. But I want to encourage you this morning, never run from the battle for peace. On October 31st, everything within me wanted to say, let's just go faster, let's get to where we're going. And I probably wouldn't be here today if I had listened to that. But Holy Spirit will always lead you by peace. That's the voice he speaks. That's the language he talks. Because it was the gift that was given to you. Amen? Amen. So I want to pray for you guys this morning. I want you to find your neighbor. If you're by yourself, scoot over and grab their hand. Why don't you stand up with me? Jesus said he was the peace that passes understanding. You don't have to know how it's going to happen, just that it is. And so right now, Father, I pray for each person in this room. I pray for each one watching via the internet. Right now, Father, I speak your peace in Jesus' name. We speak peace to the storm. 
We speak peace to the sickness. We speak peace to the torment. We speak peace to the thoughts. We speak your peace, Jesus, which passes understanding. And we rest in your safety, your security, your prosperity, your felicity. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. You know, maybe you're watching via the internet this morning and you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life. That's your first step to peace. Don't wait another moment. Right now, wherever you are, go ahead and throw up your hands and pray with us. Father, I receive Jesus and the peace that comes with him. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer this morning with us on the internet, go ahead and get in contact with us. We'd love to get you hooked up with a good church in your area. Now, for you guys, you're going to have lots of opportunities this week to do anything but what we preached to you this morning. You know, whenever you hear a message, you always get opportunity to walk it out. So I'll warn you now, Holy Spirit will be telling you one thing, and thoughts of anti-peace are going to be telling you another. How will your week look different if you choose his thoughts over all the other ones? Choose peace. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We give you glory in this place. And we thank you for good opportunities coming our way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You guys are blessed. Let's have a wonderful week. Have some coffee and fellowship.